This is Yolanda. Welcome. This is an IFPOD production for IFPO, the very first security podcast called Security Circle. IFPO is the International Foundation for Protection Officers. We are dedicated to providing meaningful education and certification for all levels of security personnel and make a positive difference to our members' mental health and well-being. Join us and our special guests as we delve into all the matters security related that matter to you. So, on this rather wet, weathery day, to the IFPO Circle podcast, Ash and I are joined by a very special guest today. Our guest is Claire Humble. Claire, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Hi, Ash. Hi, Yo Yo. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much. Ash, are you okay today? Yep, I'm very well. Got over Christmas, but still have that sort of Christmas bug and flu that's kicking around. So yeah, just trying to get rid of that. Also, Claire, Ash did confess just now he just went out for a run, but he felt better before he went out for a run. You're not really selling, Ash. So, So back to our very special guest, because really on Security Circle, we are interviewing the very best of security celebrities. And I know Claire will be blushing to hear us say that she's been doing some amazing work. First of all, Claire, I know that you are doing a lot of amazing work with Newology and with F1. Tell us a little bit of a summary about where you're at at the moment with F1 and Newology. Okay, so as we sit now in in the end of 2022, it's quite tricky to reflect really on what's been going on because it's just been like a roller coaster ride for me, to be honest. I've been in more, more countries than I've ever been at for different locations, for different things. It's been an absolute pleasure, but it's really been quite tough as well, particularly on work life balance. But I think now, having reflected on where I've been and, and what I've done, I think 2023 is going to be super duper exciting for me professionally, but also I'm going to try and manage my work, work-life balance a little bit better. But really delighted to be here with you today and to have a chat about how things have been. Cool. So thanks, Ken. And again, thank you for joining us on my podcast. So what we're going to kick off with? was where I've worked previously before, we had a GSOC, a global security operations center that was one of the most diverse teams that I've ever worked with. We had 10 operatives, two managers, seven of which were female, five are male, and some were from the LGBTQ plus community, different cultures, beliefs, values, education, work backgrounds. And then when it came to responding to an incident or crisis, we had four individuals to solve the issue rather than four people that will look at it and come up with the same answers and the same input. So how can the industry be more like that? How can we tackle this ED and I issue? And how can we make it more inclusive, especially at senior management level? Wow. That's a big question to start with, Ash. How long do we have? <laughs> I think we're only here for 30 minutes. Look, that I think your experience is quite unique, Ash, when you've, when you've outlined who you were working with and the quality and the diversity of the team. 
I think most people's experience within the security sector, and, and when I say that, actually, the security sector is a massive beast. You know, it's very diverse and it, and it covers a massive, large spectrum. And, and just to be clear, I'm probably going to come at this from a security guarding in inverted commas or security officer perspective because the industry is just so huge. So I think most people that are listening to this that might be from security guarding or security officer um, roles probably live in a different environment than, than you've just described. But we are on a journey. I do get a sense, I get a feeling now that the industry itself is starting to recognize that we do need to diversify for those very reasons that you have highlighted. Some roles need that more than others. Some need it very much urgently and others they might be on a slow burn, but certainly growing diversity within the industry is probably one of the most emerging risks of the industry. If we don't get that right and we don't start to move forward and we don't start to make some changes, I think we're going to fail to be relevant within a lot of the environments in, in which we work. And how we do that, well, well, that's the the sort of golden egg really, isn't it? But I think there's probably a couple of quick wins. And certainly if I if I was to talk to the higher education setting, which is a setting that I've been very much accustomed to through my work as the head of um, security at Teesside University, but also with Newology and UX4, my my company company I work with now, we we've recognised within that industry that we need to be more contemporary in the way that, that we deliver our service, and we meet, need to be more innovative, and we need to look at different ways to uh, do what we do. And part of that is about customer experience and looking like and respecting and re- and reflecting the community in which we serve. And certainly the higher education setting is very diverse and the groups there and the teams there and the recruitment teams are recognizing that they need to think more holistically about how they put their adverts out, how they advertise for the roles. Indeed, you know, when we might get into this a little bit later, the word security itself is quite restrictive in my experience for people that want to enter the industry they see the word security and they think it's for a white middle-aged man and, and they flick over to the next advert. So I think we have got a great deal to do. There are some wonderful people of all backgrounds, ages and races that are looking and working within the security industry right now and are all coming together to try and help us move forward. But what that looks like, I, I know that we can do it. We just need as a collective to come forward and to put more traction towards it. Otherwise, we're just paying lip service to it. And that's the worst thing that we can do. Yeah, I agree, Claire. So look, when I look at your LinkedIn profile, you're listed as a senior executive director, a woman trailblazer. What have we got here? Transformational change advocate. Coming back to that in a minute. Security risk and resilience, trusted advisor, coach and mentor, cultural change and people development, leadership strategy development. Wow. So I know you delivered a presentation in America this year around transformational change in the security industry in the UK. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that that was a really exciting piece of work to do, actually. Texas is an amazing place for a start. And the audience actually was slightly intimidating because it was from a campus security perspective. So it, it was around, again, the environment of the university. But it's very different in some respects in the US because their campus security people 
are all sworn officers. So they're, they're actually police officers as we would know them in the UK. So they have many more powers and many more rules and regulations to abide by than we do in the UK. But essentially, when we strip all that back, the roles that they're delivering is very much the same as the roles that we are delivering in the UK environment in that security historically has been around locking windows and closing doors. And that's the mindset that people have had around a security guarding or security officers. But really, when you think about it in a contemporary environment, we're so much more than that. But the mindset of some people, be that's employers or organizations, is very much set in history and legacy of closing windows and locking doors. But the people within the industry, the people wanna, that want to drive it forward, the people that do it every day, know that our role is about pe- keeping people safe, essentially. It's around delivering a customer service role where people that we engage with every day feel value, feel listened to, feel like they've got an answer or that we can help signpost them to an answer. So we've got to we've got to really cast off those shackles of being a legacy security service where we just look at buildings, walk around buildings, lock some doors and close windows. We're so much more than that and we can add so much more value. Does that make sense? I mean, it does. It certainly brings true to me. So when I was younger, I thought the same thing. I thought it was just about cameras. It was just about a security officer with a dog patrolling the fence line. But I think it's that... Is that a, a big challenge for us to show value to our, our senior management, our executive team, just to show the true value of, of what our security teams deliver? Oh, oh totally. And, and I think it's, it, it, when we talk about transformation, it needs to be top down and bottom up. You know, as, a, as security professionals, we need to understand how we add value every day to the service that we provide and now how we help our employer, whoever that is, deliver their mission and values and the role that we play in that. And we're not just there to turn up every day to do the same thing that we did yesterday. We're there to add value. We're there to help the organization deliver their mission and values. And we need to understand how to do that. But security managers, Ash, also need to be able to do that. They need to understand the role that they play within the organization and how they add add value to the organization. Because, you know, it's difficult to get investment into security. We all know that. You know, we, we've always been largely obligatory. We've had to have security people, but we don't really want to invest in or pay a lot of money for them, but we know we need to have them. But that's really our thinking. And I, I think as security managers, we have a duty to influence up as well as down. And it's, it's the security manager's role to really understand the environment within, within which they work, to understand the unique risks and needs of that organization and then help articulate to their managers how we can help them to deliver that. And if you do invest in a contemporary security service, understand the role that we can help with, then we're going to get investment. But I think, Ash, just turning up to work to do the same thing that, that we've always done is not helpful and it's not going to help the industry develop. We need to understand how we add value what value we can add, and then we need to articulate that very well, and we need to articulate that up the chain as well as down to our staff to help them feel value and understand how they add value to the organisation. So, Claire, tell us what a contemporary security approach looks like. Yeah, in my view, 
you know, I think we need to, in order to answer that question, we need to ask some questions of ourselves. And I guess one of the big questions we need to answer, Yo-Yo and Ash, is what is the security role within 2023 and beyond? You know, is security needed per se? Do we need a security team? And then if if we decide we do need a security team, then how are we going to deliver that service in a more contemporary way? Because we need to remain relevant. So how do we sell what we do better? You know, as I've said, we're not just about closing doors and opening in windows and delivering a janitorial service. And and I guess, again, we haven't got a lot of time, but I've been reflecting a little bit, knowing that I was doing this podcast. And, yet, you know, does the word security really still have a role within society? Do we need to change or adapt the name to better reflect what we do? And and again, just to give you an example in the HE environment, we have come to understand now that the word security is very restrictive and can cause more problems counterintuitively than you would think. And there's lots of thought now being put behind whether or not the term security truly reflects the role that we deliver to the community and to the environment in which we work. And a number of universities have now changed their role and their name to something like safety and security officer or safeguarding officer. And I'm not saying that either of those things are the answer, but I think we need to be more contemporary and reflect a little bit more on the services we we provide and and consider whether the word security is actually the the word that helps us be as relevant to our end user as, as we need it to be. So I think, again, what we need to do is understand how we make the security industry more attractive to a younger, more diverse group, going back to what Ash said. You know, how, how do we do that? Uh, and there's some ways and means, I think, that we can, we can certainly be more attractive. But I guess you might ask me those questions. But, you know, on the top of my head, it's around setting some standards within the industry, which I think are sadly lacking and have been lacking for an awful long time. So what are the standards of expectation within the security sector as a whole? And we can start from that as a benchmark to move forward. Do you, do you think we've missed an opportunity then, sort of post-pandemic? Well, well certainly the, the pandemic has changed the environment for an awful lot of people. A lot of people now are choosing to stay at home and not come into work. What does that mean for the security service as a whole? Has the environment shifted or changed? Are we still needing to deliver the same type of service that we we had to prior to COVID? And and I don't know the answers to all of those questions, but I do think we need to just sit down and reflect on that and, and understand what the environment looks like now. But I think what did happen, Ash, and, and at the time of the of COVID and the time of the lockdowns, I was actually working at Teesside University. And when you think of that environment, a, a number, quite a high number of students were actually unable to get back home, particularly the international students. So they needed some, some care and, and looking after. And the security personnel were the only service left on campus to look after everybody. So we became everything. We came, became the carer, the safety officer, the gentle ear to listen to when people felt like they were lonely. We, we had to dispense an all, a, a sort of a holistic approach to security, which I actually think more reflects the service that we provide on a daily basis than just purely locking doors, guarding buildings, guarding entrances. You know, a lot of security people now 
actually am more more than merely a person that walks around with a lot of keys and locks some doors and closes some windows. And I think our people felt more valued. I think they had to diversify their skill set. I think we felt more valued as an organization because we were in the spotlight. And and most people would, or most security operators, would res- this would resonate with them, that actually on a daily basis, they don't feel like they add value. They don't understand how they add value and, the, and they don't feel that their role is invested in significantly. But for that period of time, although it was a terrible time for everybody, it was our time to shine, if you like, or it was their time to shine. And a lot of them stepped up and stepped forward when most people were stepping back and stepping down. And I think being classed as key workers really provided our security guards and officers with more confidence. And they did feel that they had a role to play within society. And I think if we can if we can generate that feeling of value and worth and understanding the role that we play, I think our people, our security operators will feel more valued and, and, and therefore deliver a more comprehensive service if they feel valued. Because after all, nobody wants to come to work and not feel valued. You don't deliver your best work if you don't think that you're adding value or being valued. So I think in some respects, we have missed a trick. I think the crest of the wave we were, we were riding is somewhat dissipating now. But I think we can get that back. I just think we need to understand what our place is in the world and deliver the best service we can understanding that. Now, you've touched on a couple of really important things. You're almost kind of describing a future where instead of using the term security or, you know, the security word could be used in a different context, but you're almost describing protective services, aren't you? What's your view on that? That's a pretty off-the-cuff question, but you inspired me to go down this route, really. Yeah, and, and I think you're actually right. We, we need to understand our place in the world, but as do our employers or the people that pay, that pay our wages. You know, a lot of security staff now need to understand the structure of the organisation and where they fit in and how they're contributing to the end goal or mission of the organization within within their workspace. And actually being part of a team that's valued, being part of a wider team that they can add value to, I think is something really valuable. But, you know, going back to the wider area of security and security eaters, I think one of the things that I'm very keen on, Yo-Yo and Ash, is industry standards. There are literally no standards for security people. And you can pick Mr. or Mrs. from the street, put them into some sort of uniform and sit them or stand them anywhere, and you can call them a security operator. I think that plays a massive disservice to security professionals throughout the world, really. I think we do need some standards. We need some minimum standards and we need some minimum expectations and outputs from our people so that we can start to professionalize the industry from a security operator and guarding perspective. So we probably haven't got much time to answer this question, but with that, if you had the opportunity to start again, how would you reinvent the security industry? Oh, good question, Ash. Big question again. Look, we've got we've got the SIA, haven't we? And and I guess it's a good start. And I'm certainly not here to knock the SIA. They, they do what they they say they do on the tin, but they're largely around nighttime economy. They're more around door staff than they are about general security staff. And I feel that there's a, a role that the government here can play to roll out industry standards, minimum expectations, 
We need to make sure that security companies, security guarding companies have some standards there themselves, that they have some expectations of people that they are supplying, that they fit a minimum standard. And, and right now there, there is nothing. So you can charge an amount of money and deliver a person to do a role, but nobody checks on their background. Nobody is really understanding what quality of person, what qualities that person should have, what are the minimum standards of, of accreditation, qualification, anything like that. You know, we, we need to understand as security guardian or security officer role, what are our minimum expectations? But equally, in order to grow our professionalism and to be attractive to, to young professionals, we need to have a structure that allows people to professionally develop and continuously professionally develop through really good specific training as well. So we need to be able to deliver a structure where we've got some standards, we've certainly got some industry-relevant training, and then we can start to raise the expectations of both our staff and the people that are paying their wages that we're not there just to warm a seat or to fill a uniform. We're there to, to develop and deliver a professional service that adds value to the overall, the overall organization. And until we get that, I don't think we're going to improve much with it as, a, as the way that people see us externally, shall I put it like that. I do believe it is changing. I do believe it's changing for the better. I do think that everything you've talked about, Claire, is, is in a kind of a sea change process and I think we'll only be able to see how quickly it's moved as time passes. But I think, I don't know about you, that the momentum is going certainly the right way. But look, we, we I mean, we're running out of time. It's gone so fast. I could talk to you for hours. Um, yes. At this sort of stage, really, we always give a nod to somebody, certainly in our industry, who's particularly standing out. Claire, we'll come to you first and then I'll ask Ash who he's picking this week. Anyone standing out for you, Claire, at the moment? Well, I'd, rather than pick an individual, because there's too many, too, too many to mention, I'd just like to give a shout out to the WSS, who are a, a body of men and women that have come together with a collective passion to try and help develop the security industry and to make it a, an industry for everybody and one that's attractive to young and old, regardless of your background, but particularly for young women to help us develop young women to be great security professionals. Everybody gives their time free. We're, we're all there singing from the hit, same, same sheet, if you like. So if, if you are listening and you are interested in developing the sector from a diversity perspective, please give some time to look for the WSS and see what we're all about and come along and join us and, and help us be more contemporary with the service that we deliver and the role that we deliver to the community. That's a great shout out. Ash, who's on your mind this week? Um, see, mine this week is to Gabby Hutchinson, who sadly lost her life at the Vixen O2 Academy whilst going to work. I think it's just a, a reminder of how security professionals put their, their lives on the line every day for ultimately the safety and protection of the public and, and <coughs> all of our friends and loved ones. So my well, shout out, not this week, goes to Gabby Hutchinson. And also to extend those condolences to Rebecca Ikemedo, who also sadly lost a life at the same event. Nobody expects to really go to work and not make it home. I, I appreciate that. It's a very sobering thought. Actually, my thought was to the security officer who went to work during the holiday period, who would have loved to have been with his family and children and relatives 
and loved ones, and the security officer who didn't get any acknowledgement at all from his employer because they were all off and his good work and his many of them. But also, don't want to sort of end on a really sad note, Claire. I nearly brought myself to tears. But I'd been there on that front line at Christmas when, you know, you think, oh, my boss hasn't even given me a ring. Do you know what I mean? And so I I get it. I do. And it happens so often. However, I'm also aware of some amazing leaders who have gone out to visit their staff on the front line on Christmas Day and Boxing Day. And they've gone out to, you know, to take them some biscuits and a card. So there are some amazing people, definitely part of keeping their employees feeling valued and cherished at the time where, especially when people's mental health is the, is the kind of, it takes a bit of a dip, doesn't it, this time of year? Lots of pressures, financial, and Christmas just seems to make that all worse. Oh, God, I've gone down another tunnel. Claire, <laughs> that's on a positive note. Well, I'm just being real. J-Lo, keep it real. But Claire, what's, you know, to summarise really and to close us up now for the last minute or so, what's your plan for 2023? Oh, thank you for asking. Your, your look, with the, the company that I am a partner in, we, we deliver security training, security consultancy and smart technology. And, and whilst every company wants to make money, we're truly passionate about helping the industry to modernize, be more contemporary and to be more professional. And I'm so passionate about delivering an inclusive work environment. So we're going to be working really hard with our current clients and future clients to help practice what we preach and to not play lip service and to develop the the industry as, as much as we can. And I'm going to be helping the WSS. I've got my work with Formula One. We've got some fantastic clients and some really big clients. And look, I think the industry, as you said, you're, you're, is, is on the up and up. because so many people passionate about professionalizing the service and making it more diverse. I'm sure the momentum is there, but let's keep it up. And I'm looking forward to working with all the fantastic people and more fantastic people to help us pay back to a, to a, an industry that's been so good to us all uh, and, and helping it be an a, a industry of choice for, for the younger generation coming through. So I think it's very bright. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks. And look, you know, I'm a huge Formula One fan, Claire. If there's ever any room in your suitcase. <laughs> or if you ever feel a little bit lonely. <laughs> <laughs> Claire, thanks so much. I really appreciate you joining us today. Good luck for 2023 and safe travels. Oh, thanks, guys. You too. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. 